this thing on. Welcome back to Campaign War Stories. Daddy. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. This is the podcast where we talk to folks in the political industry about the lessons learned during the insanity of campaign life. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by former South Carolina Governor Jim Hodges. Hodges served in the South Carolina State House as Democratic leader before he became governor in 1998 when he beat incumbent David Beasley. Today, Governor Hodges serves as CEO of McGuire Woods Consulting. I'm honored he took the time out of his busy schedule to join us for a few good war stories. Governor, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, Before we get started, I had to tell you a funny story because, uh, you know, I invited you on the podcast and my assistant responded back, can't wait to have you, James. And I'm like, that's the former (laughs) governor. (laughs) <laughs> it reminded me of my mother. She called me James when I was in trouble for something I'd done. <laughs> <laughs> but it also made me feel really old because I got all these young staff around me and I I, I don't even know if she was born when you were governor. So uh, we're, we're getting up there. <laughs> probably, probably so. I'm, I'm not offended at all by that. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you, uh, what are you doing these days? You know, I'm uh, doing a lot of different things. I've got a, I'm the president of our consulting group. We have about 120 people now uh, with offices um, in nine states. California is our latest. Uh, so I'm staying really busy with client work with, with them and uh, also, uh, you know, running the consulting group. So a lot of stuff around that that takes me on the road, probably more than I'd like to be. And then still practicing some law with the, law firm that uh, we're affiliated with. That's what I'm up to. So uh, you probably don't know this, but my company acquired another company last year and we're up to 87 staff now. And uh, I hope I never go over that amount. So I don't know how you manage 120 people, but all I do is deal with personnel drama these days. And it's like, I don't get to do any fun work because I'm just managing humans. Is, Is that what it's like? leading 120 people? Well, you have your share of that. I, unfortunately, uh, when I moved into this role, I thought, well, I'm going to get to deal with strategy and and management, and I'm going to cut back on my client load. But what I found was I just got another damn job. <laughs> so it's, uh, I think I drew the short straw on that. Uh, but, you know, a fair amount of uh, issues around acquisitions and, you know, your share of personnel issues, which uh, which you face, uh, a lot of decisions regarding the future of the, the firm and things we will focus on, but uh, still a lot of client work. I mean, I, I continue to do a lot of my, my client work's really uh, national stuff that involves governors, uh, insurance commissioners, things like that, you know, clients that have business interests with government. So a lot of it for me, I mean, my colleagues do a lot of lob- straight lobbying, but for me, a lot of it is uh, work around the business side of government with state governments around the country. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, which is which for me is very interesting. It's it's certainly a little different than the politics business. Which do you like more, serving and uh, you were in the house? We're going to talk about this in a minute because I want to talk about your career. But you were in the house, your governor, and 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 now doing this. Do you like the private sector more or the government side more? I liked them all. I mean, I, you know, I'm one of those who does not believe in looking back. I, you know, when I was governor, I thought it was the best job in the world. And it really was. I mean, it was a ton of fun. Uh, but I have loved the business side, which is part of the reason why I've never gotten back into politics. I've just, you know, always 
wanted to be my own boss, which I essentially am, and uh, am able to do different, you know, have different challenges every day. I mean, the and, and you'll appreciate this. The one thing people ask about is, what do you miss about politics? Uh, I'm pretty close to it now, but the one thing I really miss is the competition. You know, every day, whether <laughs> it's legislation or political competition, uh, that's that's the part I miss. But uh, but uh, the other parts of it, not so much. I mean, I think it's changed a lot and uh, not necessarily the better. Well, I tell you, as someone who's still in the middle of it, uh, I do enjoy the fight. I just wish it wasn't every single day, the minute you wake up <laughs> to the minute you go to bed, constant fighting. If it's not my three little boys, four, six, and eight fighting, it's a politicians, clients. It's just always fighting all the time. So my job is basically just to be a referee. <laughs> well, you need that striped shirt on today. I mean, you're not you're <laughs> a dapper jacket on rather than the striped shirt you might have. Oh, man. You know, um, you so you became governor in 1998, right? right? So I was just graduating high school in 98, and I came out of high school, and I got my first job at the State House when I went to USC, and that was with Senator Bill Mesher. And at that point, I was still really trying to figure out at that age, am I a Republican or am I a Democrat? But I was entering my political career at the State House while you were governor, and watching the dynamics of uh you know us taking back you know or not taking back but taking the senate republicans taking the senate i was you know as as a page but your tenure as governor had such a crazy impact on my life because i was i was watching it and that's really when i decided once i got up there that i don't want to be a engineer which is why i went to college i i wanted to be in that fight like watching you watching the house watching the senate watching the, the Republicans take this and this is what I want to do. And I just loved every minute of, of watching you. So your tenure as governor had such a massive impact on, on what I'm doing today. So are you telling me I am the reason you're a Republican? Is that what you're saying? No, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> it, it's really not. Um, but you know, may, no, I you know, you I, weren't, and you were not you're like, let's just be real. You're, you were not a, a super liberal Democrat and, yeah, and you're, yeah, you, you know, and here in South Carolina, you're the, you're the last Democrat to get elected governor, but you can't get elected governor being super liberal. Yeah. Uh, but I went and worked for a Republican named Bill Mesher, who was a state senator for Monk's Corner. Well. God and, rest his soul. Good that's man. right. Um, and, and he has since died, but it was really getting close to Senator Mesher and his wife that turned me into a Republican. Well, I mean, you, you were there at a, you're right at an interesting time. And I, and I would say the difference between, you know, the, the, the Democrats are, are so far away in terms of their numbers now and have been for some time. But you were there in an era where there was a, a genuine competition between the two parties over, you know, who was going to be governor, uh, who was going to, you know, take control of the House or the Senate. I mean, the numbers were close enough that there was mm -hmm. a genuine competition of ideas, I, I, less so now. I think, Probably Democrats, because of the numbers, are more of a of, of a interest group that aligns with different you know groups that you know were vying to get things done in the legislature. But uh, so it's changed in that regard. It was uh, you know the, it was more partisan in the sense that uh, there was a fight for who was going to be speaker and who was going to be the you know leader of the Senate. Those sorts of things that doesn't exist now. Well, I will tell you that it was more fun, and I'm still a consultant for the Senate Republican Caucus, and I tell people all the time, I wish the caucus had the majority by one person, one, 
because what happens when you get this big and you become a super majority is you're just end up eating your own and yeah, you're just is. fighting with each other. And it was so much more fun when it was Republicans and Democrats fighting rather than Republicans fighting Republicans. I think that's true. I mean, I, I hear that, you know, I have friends who, um, who stayed in, in the legislature and still are there this many years later. And they say the same thing. I mean, it's uh, much more complicated and, uh, in some ways, the you know, Republican Party now looks a little like the Democratic Party did in the 70s and 80s, where you had uh, a variety of factions there, and it was often a you know, battle for which faction would control. Uh, it's ironic, we sort of get back to that one party, one party rule that we had for generations in the state, just a different party label. You're exactly right. Let talk, will you talk me through before we get to like your campaign war story, will you talk me through your political career and how it is, you know, you got to the governor's mansion? Yeah. And I was really uh, fortunate. I got, got in at a fairly early age and out at a fairly early age. I was, uh, I was County attorney in, uh, in Lancaster where I grew up. And the guy that uh, served in the house was a ways and means chairman, a guy named Tom Mangum, which would be well before your time. Mangum was a really powerful uh, figure, uh, dropped dead of a heart attack in his mid-70s, I guess. Um, and uh, the seat came open, and uh, I was one of the people that uh, that ran for it. There were about 10 people that, that ran, and I probably wouldn't have run and wouldn't have served, wouldn't have done this if the you know one of the chairman of county council that I worked for, I was county attorney, had run. Um, and I ran and was able to prevail in the Democratic primary by about 100 votes over the next candidate. And uh, that's what got my political career started. Uh, and then from there, um, yeah, it's funny how these, and Wesley, you'll appreciate this, how these things happen. Um, I was sort of on a track where I thought maybe I could be Speaker of the House someday. And, and we had this ascendant Republican Party, the the year I was elected in 86, Republican numbers uh, significantly jumped, but still were, you know, like three times below the Democrats. But uh, uh, the confluence of a few events uh, by my fifth or sixth year, I believe, uh, the uh, chairmanship of judiciary came up and, and I was able to win that. So I was, you know, in my mid-30s and chairman of judiciary felt pretty good about um, where things were, did a, did a term as chairman. And uh, during my second term, well, during my first term, I was chairman. And then you had the election of 1994, which is the year that through a combination of party switches, uh, the uh, great reapportionment um, fight that uh, led to a, uh, an, an alliance among uh, some of the black Democrats and the Republicans and uh, a tough election cycle, all those things happened and the Democrats lost control. And have 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 not held it since. Mm -hmm. um, and I was sort of at that point, you know, it, for me, it was, um, you know, what are you going to do? And, um, you know, I thought maybe I'll just go back home and go stay. I was general counsel of a company and had a great job and just decided I'll take over as Democratic leader, uh, a job nobody wanted. <laughs> and uh, for good reason, <laughs> they probably shouldn't have wanted it. But I said, I'll do this. Um, give it a run and see how it goes. And uh, spent two years um, you know, getting my teeth kicked in, well, three, getting my teeth kicked in as Democratic leader. But it was a great experience because you know, it was the old guerrilla warfare thing. You were on the outside. You had no power. Uh, and it forced you to begin to think 
or me, think more politically. You know, less think less a little bit like a committee chair and an insider and more like an outsider mm-hmm. and helped me immensely. Uh, did that three years, um, was probably going to quit at the end of the fourth and go back again, just go back home. I had young children. And Joe Riley calls me up and says, I've decided I'm not running for governor in 19, this was 1996, I guess. You ought to do it. Well, you know, hell, I'd never really thought about that. It wasn't, it, it, I had been thinking maybe I could be Speaker of the House one day and running for governor was not something that really was on my mind. And my wife and I talked about it and, you know, just said, this is a perfect time. Our kids are young. I'm going to, I'm going to quit anyway. If uh, I finish this term out, just, you know, roll the dice. You got, you know, she said, you've got something to say and, and you've got some good ideas. And that's really what led to my, you know, run in 1998. Uh, the field was cleared, didn't have any opposition. Um, and that's sort of how the 98 election came about. It was a uh, you know, confluence of events where, Sort of like my first election where somebody was a favored candidate. They decided not to run. Um, you know, came to me and said, you ought to do it. And the more I thought about it, I thought the timing was right and felt like I had something to say. Did you not, you didn't have a primary at all in that race? And no primary. You wanted a primary in those days because as you might remember, you, you couldn't go back to your, you know, your, your uh, givers, if you didn't have a primary, you could, you know, get a donation each cycle. Yeah. Not that I had a big worry about that early on, because, you know, you think the people that were going to give against an incumbent governor, those numbers weren't substantial, which, but, you know, you, you generally wanted one for the reason of, uh, you know, you beat up on a weak opponent, but you're able to double dip. Uh, I did not have one, did not have an opponent uh, that ran. And, um, you know, that, so I, you know, both times I was fortunate enough not to have uh, anyone run against me. What was it that Governor Beasley did that you know, pissed people off so bad? I mean, what was it that that enabled you to come in there and, and beat a sitting governor? Well, I, there was a couple of things. I, I, I think um, one was, and and I, I say this because you know David and I. Our friends, I mean, have been, you know, since we knew each other in law school and we had some political differences, but it was never personal. Yeah. Um, I think there are a couple of there are three things that really uh, came into play in 1998. One is the lottery campaign. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the lottery combined both uh, people who were interested in education and um, and those who believe that they ought to be able to make decisions about how they spend their money. And his opposition to the lottery, all of those things, you know, it, it sort of brought together people who said government can't tell me what I can't do with people who said, here's a path to, to fund some education needs we have in the state. So it was a really compelling issue. And and uh, we, I can talk later about how the polling uh, showed yeah. that out. It's actually a pretty good campaign story. And um, the others were uh, the video poker issue. Um, you know, I, I had said, you know, we'll vote it again. You know, we can have another statewide referendum on it because we had we'd had county by county referendums. The courts thrown it out. Um, the governor took it on as a, an issue that uh, that he was going to eliminate it and he was not successful. And uh, yeah, so there were a lot of small business owners in the state who had these machines and and clearly they were very agitated. I don't think they saw me as a a great choice, but they saw me as giving them a better opportunity to make their case than 
than him. Uh, and that, you know, that put some resources into campaigns, but as important, uh, as importantly to that, I, you know, you had a lot of people who had business ties there and their families who were motivated to vote. And then the flag issue. And I think the uh, part of what got him on the flag issue, I mean, I had voted to take the flag down actually in the state house. So, you know, I was not such a great choice. I think it was to them. It was anger over um, the issue coming up and then the issue was taken off the table. So both sides ended up getting upset about the the governor's strategies on the flag issue. And I, and I think that certainly hurt. The, and the final piece was, and I think probably the most important piece, you may recall 98 was the year of Bill Clinton and the effort to impeach Clinton. Uh, there were a lot of people that um, were unhappy. They were pleased with the economy and where the economy was. And they felt like Washington, the folks in Washington had sort of lost their way by focusing on impeachment of Clinton. And that motivated a lot of uh, soft Democratic voters as well as Democratic voters who who showed. So Democratic voters showed up in large numbers. Republican voters were sort of not particularly motivated to vote in the 98 election. And, you know, that's the reason I ended up winning by like eight or nine. I think I won by eight points, which was a surprise even to us, because, you know, that's just not possible for a Democratic candidate. You you might win in those days, might win 51-49, but it was just not possible. But I think all those events, you know, sort of it led to low Republican turnout and pretty motivated Democrats and independents, which uh, it was the recipe to win. That, Does that make sense. Nice. Yeah, it makes total sense. I forget. Yeah. And the lottery, you're the reason I hate going to the gas station these days. <laughs> no, the, 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 <laughs> the, the lottery, no, the education yeah. lottery is great. But, you know, every time you go into a gas station now, you, you're like stuck behind a lot of people trying to. <laughs> to well, not did. that one. No, not that one. I want that one. No, I mean that one over there. Then you got to sit and wait for him to scratch. But no, it's it's actually been really good for, for it's, the state of South Carolina. Good. Yeah. And, you know, the, that's the interesting thing is a lot of the you know, people that were sort of in, in my area of the Democratic Party, who were college educated whites, just and you know didn't like a lot of them didn't like the lottery. They you know, yeah. said they didn't like it. They still voted for me. But yeah, it was it was the issue that the smarty pants crowd really loved to editorialize about, you know, tell people how they shouldn't be spending their money that way. But but people, you know, they want to make their own choices. A great story is sort of a campaign story is uh, there was a guy that uh, was told by, you know, one of those smarty pants crowd, as I like to say, you know, you got a one in 10 million chance of winning that uh, big jackpot. And, and the guy said, that's that's a hell of a lot better than the chance I have today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Did you ever have your eyes on on the bigger prize? Uh, you mean like running for president? Yeah, I mean every single governor since you. I mean, you know, like seriously. I mean, except for me. I mean, well, I, I will not every single one. Sanford and Haley coming after you. It seems like their entire tenures were based on how can they boost their national profile right. to, to run for governor. Right. Um, I'm sorry to run for president. Um, did you ever have your eye on it? <laughs> I see. I like to think I'm fairly self-aware. And the one thing I knew, because people would talk about, you know, president, vice president running for Senate. I said, look, I'm a I'm a moderate Democrat from the South. <laughs> uh, our numbers are dwindling and the opportunities in the party are dwindling for people that you know talk like me, look like me, have my philosophy. 
So I was, I mean, I thought I was always pretty self-aware about, you know, the fact that uh, there just were limited avenues for, for political growth, for, yeah. you know, people that, you know, had my sort of values and my profile and uh, was realistic about that. I mean, I, my plan had always been if I had a, got a second term, that'd be it. I mean, I'd be doing what I'm doing now. I mean, getting out of that and, you know, doing business related things. But yeah, you know, I mean, this, this sounds sort of corny, but to me, then and even now, I mean, the, the ultimate honor is to be governor of your state. And yeah. they're really everybody I knew, Wes, that uh, was in Washington who had been governor, but moaned and groaned and bitched about how bad the job was when you'd see them and how much they hated it, how much they loved the job they had as governor. Uh, if you talk to people, Democratic, Republican, who had the cabinet, I remember Tommy Thompson. You'll remember Tommy, who was yeah. uh, governor for like four terms in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. telling us at a meeting one time, he said, I take orders from a 26-year-old in the White House and yeah, how much <laughs> how much he hated the job because he really didn't have any authority in his, in his cabinet. Um, I think you know, Washington, for me, was never particularly attractive. And uh, I, I think I've had the best job in government, thought it was terrific, but you know, really wasn't very interested in anything other than that. Then what do you think happened in 02? Uh, great year for Republican candidates. I mean, I, I really, I, I felt like we had a great record to run on. Yeah, the the, uh, the economy was a little down in 02. It was post 9-11. Um, but primarily, it, it just the post 9-11, things had, had hardened. I mean, when you looked at the partisan ID, um, it had gotten worse for Democratic candidates by, you know, significantly. Yeah. And, and Bush was incredibly popular in, in 02. It was the one cycle where, um, you know, generally first term presidents, you see their party lose seats and and the other party performed better. It was uh, 02 is, is the exception. I mean, other than this last election cycle, yeah. 02 was one of those where um, all of all the Democratic candidates were governor in the country who were incumbents lost. I mean, I was one of many Roy, Roy Barnes lost, uh, but all of us, uh, save one, uh, the candidate in Iowa won by point, but you know, it's just, it was a really bad year for, for Democrats overall. Um, uh, and yeah, you, but if you go into this business being a Democratic candidate, you just got to accept that. I mean, 98, our fortunes were good, did all the things right and were successful in winning, but you understand that, uh, everything's got to line up right for you to to be successful. Well, no Democrat in South Carolina has won at the top of the ticket U.S. Senate or, or governor since you. So that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that, look, that's and, and that's that's something to be proud of. I think the to me, the most important thing is just to look at what you did with your four years. And of course, and we have a you know, fairly long list of things we were able to do some some terrific people. Uh, to work with. And uh, again, I'm just honored to have had the job and have the chance to uh, to work on some of the issues that I think are ha- have been important to our state. I only have you for like three or four more minutes. So, you know, you, you, the lottery was massive. What, what did what are you most proud of for those four years? Um, yeah, the lottery's right there at the top. Uh, the lottery and first steps. Uh, we led the country in SAT improvement during that period of time. Uh, Teacher pay increases, um, sales tax holiday. We did uh, about a billion in new school construction. Um, 
silver card program. It was an early um, senior prescription drug plan for for seniors. Uh, good economic development numbers. Um, I mean, it was just there, there were a lot of things that we were interested in. And I think it's the last period, really, in our state where we've had an intense focus on on the role of education in advancing the state. And uh, and I think that was that was really good. Yeah, I think what's most frustrating to me is is forget about where you stand on education. The fact that we don't talk about it at all. I mean, yeah. you, you what ends up happening is we don't even have the debate because you get on these hyper partisan things like, you know, we just we want to dominate the agenda with abortion every year. And when's the last time we've had a serious debate about education? We had kind of debated school choice, but that doesn't even really get public awareness. It would be nice to actually just hyper focus on the issue and have real substantive debate about it again. I think that's right. And see what works. I mean, I was always a real believer in I'm not coming in with a partisan lens looking at issues. All I want to know is what works and what mm-hmm. gives kids a better opportunity. I and mean, that really should be what we're all about is, uh, you know, regardless of whose ideas it, it is, does it work better? Yeah. Well, Governor, I know you're a busy, busy man. I just appreciate you giving this Republican some of your time. You've, <laughs> always, you've always been very kind to me and and I deeply appreciate it. You got it. Wes, good to see you. You've always enjoyed dealing with you. (laughs) Thank you, Governor. Okay.